Uh, we're going to talk about something that I think is uh, difficult for people in general, but also as believers. Um, a lot of times, you know, when, when, you're, when you get into church and you get around Christian people, the lingo and the language changes, right? So like, how you doing? Praise God, I'm doing well. You know, when you're not in church, you're not living right, you don't say, praise God, I'm doing well. You don't, okay, you, okay, I go to Brother Eric. How you doing, Brother Eric? Uh, better than I deserve. No one says that in the world. Like, there's just things that you start to say because you're around it all the time. And one of the things that people talk about often is, is like God's calling on their life. Like, what does God want me to do? And, and here's something that I believe is part of every believer's calling from God and I pray that you take it seriously, Dave, because I think it's something that you're going you're gonna to struggle with if you haven't already. Look at Joshua chapter number one, and we're, we're talking about the introduction of Joshua's ministry and the exiting of Moses. So, so look at Joshua chapter one, look at verse number one. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, that's not like a, a Catholic nun, just to be clear, right? Um, that's a guy's name. Uh, Moses' minister saying, Moses, my servant, is what? Yeah. Now therefore, what's the next word? Arise. Go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even under the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee, for I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous. I don't know about you, but like I would say this: I, I would, if I was ever talking to Jesus as a man, do you know what I wouldn't have to say to him? Don't sin. Why? Because he won't sin. He is sinless. Amen. All right, so, so why does Paul tell us, for example, the works of the flesh are these? And he lists them all out. The reason he tells believers that is because we have the potential to live and to walk in the flesh and to commit the works of the flesh. So let me say it like this. Why is God, we think of Joshua, this great mighty man. Why do you suppose God is saying be courageous to Joshua twice in a row? You know why? Because he lacks a little bit of courage. You know Why? His entire identity was wrapped up in someone who's no longer around. You know what the Lord is trying to get Joshua to do? He's trying to get Joshua to move on. Understand this. Moses died. God didn't. And maybe you, have a, you look at your life and you go, man, this was my life. And this is kind of how I see my life. And now things are changing. And God's changing some things in my life. Can I just say this? That's life. And you as a Christian have to learn that God wants you to move on. Nothing that ever takes place in the book of Joshua takes place unless Joshua hears God out on this thing. If Joshua never does, the, the Jordan River parting, all the miracles that God does, all the things that we know Joshua for, they die with Moses if Joshua doesn't learn to move on. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Brother Steon, if you'd ask God's blessing on the word. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. Let me just say this this morning. I'm, I, I know I'm talking to two groups of people, and I'm not talking about black and white or Hispanic and, and Asian. I'm not talking about men and women. I'm not talking about a Republican and Democrat. Uh, you are either saved or you're lost. Right. 
Uh, you know, the, the bumper sticker that says, all, not all who wander are lost. Yeah, but most of them are, all right? Uh, l- listen, if you're without Jesus, when I say lost, I don't mean you're not living a clean life like I am or some other self-righteous, pious thing like that. What I mean is, is you are still trusting in your righteousness. You're trusting in something that you can do or a religion or anything else to get you through the judgment when you stand before God. You are accountable to God. God made you and God gave your life purpose. And therefore, someday, every one of us will give account of himself to God. And if you are here and you've never never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You might be religious. You might live a clean life. You might be moral. You might be good. You might be better than the preacher. That doesn't matter. You won't get measured against me. You won't get measured against somebody else in this room. You'll get measured against a historical character that lived and breathed and died and came back to life and died for your sin and arose triumphantly over the grave. That's who you'll be compared to. And guess what? The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you're here without Jesus Christ today, I'm not invited. The church is not inviting you to join New Heights Baptist or to get baptized or any other religious thing. We want you to come to a person and get to know him. Amen. That's the calling for you. Matter of fact, if you're saved, you know what God did? God dealt with you. The Holy Spirit convicted you and started dealing with you and showing you that you were lost, showing you something was missing. And God called you unto himself so that you could be saved. When we talk about the calling of God, that's the first call you have to hear. If you don't hear that, none of the other stuff ever matters. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? If you're here and you're saved, you know you've been washed in the blood of the land. Would you say amen? Amen. All right, if that's you, you know what that means? Right now, God has a calling on your life. You may go, oh man, what's the calling of God in my life? Does he want me to be a preacher? Does he want me to be a preacher's wife? Do I need to be a missionary? Do I need to go here? There's all this pressure that you put on yourself. Go, oh man, what does God want me to do? Can I give you one thing and simplify it real quick? Here's the first thing you need to learn to do in the Christian life. You need to learn that God is the God of the living and not of the dead. God is the I am that I am. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. You say, why is that? Because the future is not promised and you cannot go back to yesterday. All you have is right now. And what Christians and people struggle with is learning to move on and leave the past in the past. You'll find some Christian that, you know, doesn't go to church, some same person. And you go, why don't you go to church? Well, you know, because so-and-so did this to me. Man, that's terrible. I hate hearing that. Uh, When was that? 47 years ago. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to straighten them out. Listen, buddy, you ain't straightening anybody out when you get there. God's going to straighten us out when we get there, right? And you know what's going to be really funny when we get there? I think it's going to be funny because you're going to get there and go, man, I cannot believe that you're here. And they're like, well, I can't believe you're here either. <laughs> you know, like, like it's not dependent on how you live. It's dependent on you trusting Jesus Christ. Now, Christian, understand this. The struggle that you have is you have a struggle with living in the past. You know what you do? You do it in two ways. In the negative, you'll go, man, I can't believe what they did. They hurt me, and they did this, and they did that. As if you've never hurt somebody else. As if you've never done anything selfish in your life. It was all against you. The whole world's against you. And God's against you. And the church is against you. Hey, quit thinking that way. You choose how you think. And if you think that way, you're going to live that way. And you'll be miserable. And you'll be lonely. And you'll never find God's touch and God's hand and his calling on your life. Here's the other way Christians do that. Man, I remember the good old days. I remember when I was healthy. I remember when I, I don't know. Here's, here's one. I remember when I was thin. I remember when I was athletic. I remember when I was this. I remember the, you know, the good old days of our church. You know, we started our, listen, I'm thankful for the memories of starting in our home with my family. But I'm telling you right now, I don't want to go back to that. I'm glad that we're at the place that we're at. Those are good memories, but they are memories and they are gone. You cannot live in the past. What what could my life have been? It doesn't matter. This is not a Hallmark movie. This is your life. You're not going to jump in a DeLorean and fly back in time and try to undo the. That's not how life works. Here's where you're at. And Christian, I'm telling you, the greatest Christian ever lived Brethren, I count not myself to have have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are where? You you know what we do? Constantly like this. You know know what? Listen, uh, if you got, the older you get, you get hurt without even doing anything. Amen? Sometimes you get out of bed and you're like, oh, oh. You know what the worst thing is? 2 a.m. If you get a Charlie horse, anybody ever been there? 
Oh, it's, nah, it's really bad when she gets it because she's kicking me. <laughs> I got a Charlie horse. I can feel it too, you know. <laughs> I mean, when you get, with older you get, you get up and you just get hurt without doing anything. And I know one time I, I was driving the car and I had some neck problems. Kid says something, I turn around, and it's like, I can't turn back. <laughs> and you know the problem is with a lot of Christians? You got this problem. You got whiplash. And you're constantly turning back when God's like, hey, that rearview mirror is like this big, and that windshield is like this big. Get the picture. Amen. There's a reason for that. And you know what Joshua had? He had a lot of questions about what God was going to do. You know what Joshua probably had? He had a lot of speculation. God, how can you use me? Lord, I saw what you did with Moses. uh, But Lord, I'm not Moses. Can I say this? God doesn't need you to be Moses. He needs you to be you. The Bible says about Moses, think about this. I mean, if I'm Joshua, I'd be like, I don't know if I can fill those shoes. God, the Bible says, uh, uh, the children of Israel saw the face of Moses and the skin of Moses' face shone. I know some of you ladies go get those peels for your face and your face is real bright, you know, and, 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 and maybe that's what Moses looked like when he came down the mountain, like a chemical peel. You know, it comes down, he's glowing, you know, and Moses put the face of the veil upon his face again when he went in to speak with him. Listen, Moses spoke to God face to face. No other man ever got to do that. Joshua knew about it. And Joshua's going, God, how can, I, how can I follow that act? You ever had someone get up, I don't know, whatever it might be, you know, they get up, they get up and give a speech at work or whatever, and then it's your turn, like, how can I follow that? You know, and, and it's, or someone sings a special, and it's your, you're going to sing next, you're like, I can't do it. They sing way better than I do. God doesn't want you to sing their song. God wants you to sing your song. God, God, listen, Moses was, was Moses. He was a great man. He taught with God face to face. He went in that tabernacle when nobody else could. And the Bible says there arose not a prophet. Look, matter of fact, look at the page left of Joshua. You're going to find it is Deuteronomy. All right, Deuteronomy is the second retelling of the law. Look at chapter 34. Chapter 34. And look, if you would, at verse uh, number 7. Moses was 120 years old when he died. That's old. You know what it says in the originals? Really old. He was old, man. 120. But look what it says about him. How would you like to be like around some 120-year-old dude? His eyes are... They, he, look, I'm 40, and I'm like... Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's just like, you know, like... And all of a sudden, you're like, no, you're 42. Shut up. You know what I meant. Right, just, just like this, right? His eyes were not dim, and his natural strength was not abated. You know what that means? He's got teenagers like, oh, oh, Moses, when are we going to take a break? Come on, boys, let's go. 120 years old, man, and this guy's like a man's man. And this is, who, this is who Joshua happens to follow behind. He happens to follow behind a guy that dies at 120. His natural strength was not abated. Uh, look what it says in verse number 8. And the children of Israel wept for him for 30 days. That's a month of mourning and weeping. Can I say this? There is a time to weep. There is. But after that time of weeping, Christian, after that time of I, I, I'm going to miss this, and, and I, I wish it was this way again, after God brings you through that time of grieving, understand this, you can't stay there forever. You know what you have to learn to do? You have to learn to do what Joshua did. Move on. Listen, who is Moses? Listen, the entire identity of Israel is attached to this one man. Their Passover, the most well-known feast of the Jews, the Passover feast, you know who instituted that? You say, well, it was God. Ultimately, yes. Who's the messenger? Moses. He tells them, look, you, your, your, your entire year is going to start in Abib. That's about April. And your entire year is going to start off with this feast. They didn't have any, their their entire identity, what they identified with, what they looked at and said, this is who we are. This is what makes us Israel. It's all attached to this one guy. The Bible says the law came by Moses and grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He's kind of a central figure in the Bible. It's not just that the Jews adore him. It's like in the Bible, he's he's actually that guy. And and the Bible says in in Matthew 17 that it was Moses and Elijah that show up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And then in Revelation chapter 11, the Great Tribulation, which if you're lost without Jesus Christ and you reject him, you'll have to live through. And I pray that you get saved today and you don't go through that. But if you do, let me tell you something. You'll see Moses. You won't like what you hear, but you're going to see him. He's going to show up and preach on the street in Jerusalem. Isn't that wild? 
I mean, here's this guy that is so prevalent in the Bible. He shows up in the Old Testament. He shows up in the Gospels. He's going to show up in the Great Tribulation. And Joshua's the guy coming behind him. And you know what he thinks? I can't be that guy. I can't measure up. You, you might have some people in your life that you go, I just don't measure up to that. You might even look at someone in this room and go, I just can't be that. Can I help you out? You don't have to be. You know all that God wants you to learn to do in your life? He wants you to learn to move on and not live in the past. You know, there's some people you might go, I can't live without them. I'm pretty sure Joshua felt that way. You know, you, you, you may not realize this, but, but you know who Joshua was? He was the water boy. He was the water boy. <laughs> right? If you don't get the reference, then you're probably more holy than I am, okay? Or younger. Or younger. <laughs> That's true. That's right. I like that one more. You're just younger. You don't know any better, all right? You know who he is? He's the water boy. You know what it says about the servant of, the man, uh, of Moses? You know what it says about uh, when they're talking about Elisha and his relationship with Elijah? He was the one that poured water over the hands of Elijah. That's Joshua to Moses. Think about this. All right, when Moses gets confronted by the Lord and the Lord says to Moses, uh, hey, I want you to go to my people Israel. Remember when that happens? What does, what does Moses do? Moses says, I, I'm not, matter of fact, I want you to see this. This is amazing. Look at Exodus chapter three. Because, here's why I think this is funny. Can you imagine someone today talking to God saying, I can't speak? The Lord would be like, you're actually right. You can't. I don't know what you're saying. Straight fire, high key, low key. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand any of that stuff. They were trying to educate me. Pastor, fire's a thing. I'm like, really? No, duh, I know fire's a thing. And, and they're like, but like that high key stuff, I don't know what, I, you know what? I don't know where any of it came from, all right? My generation, things were radical and tubular. Okay, I'm a child of the 80s, all right? Look at Exodus chapter three, Exodus chapter three. And, and can, I just, can I just point out in, uh, in Exodus here, I'm sorry, look at Exodus chapter four. Uh, Four, four, four. Exodus chapter four. And uh, I must have written down the wrong reference. I'm trying to find where he says, oh, there it is. Yeah, look at you at verse number 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, oh, my Lord. Now, now listen, think about this. I'm gonna read this to you, okay? Here's how I read this. Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken to thy servant, but I am slow to speak. I feel like you stinking liar. No one that speaks, someone that can't speak eloquently would never say heretofore. Okay? He's like, this no who was in originals. I know, but it got there somehow in English, and I think the guy can speak all right. But he's making this point like, I can't do this, and I'm not good enough. And you know what God tells, and by the way, Joshua doesn't see that side of Moses. All that Joshua sees is Charlton Hesson, dun, 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 You know, the parting of the Red Sea, and they, they all walk, not the Reed Sea, we can spell Red Sea, all right? And they walk through the Red Sea, and, and all that Joshua sees is that side of Moses, the man, you know, the guy that leads everything. He doesn't see behind closed doors when Moses is talking to God. And it's really easy to look at other Christians and other situations and go, man, it was magical, it was awesome, it was, it was perfect. It wasn't perfect then either. There's just things that you did not see that God saw. But you know what happens there? Moses says this. He says, uh, Lord, please help me out. I can't do this. I'm not a good speaker. So you know what God says? I'll send Aaron with you. Anybody know who Aaron is? It's his brother, right? So Aaron would naturally, in my mind, Aaron would be the, as a matter of fact, Exodus chapter four, five, six, seven. You know who goes and talks to Pharaoh? Aaron. And then somewhere in chapter 8, Moses is like, ah, let me just try this out. <laughs> the Bible says, right? He gets up there and starts talking to Pharaoh, and for the rest of the book, Moses never shuts up. <laughs> now, up front, God says, I'll send you Aaron. Aaron's his brother. Question mark, who built the golden calf? Question, wasn't Miriam Moses' sister? Didn't Miriam and Aaron talk bad about Moses and she got leprosy? Wasn't it of the tribe of Levi of whom Moses is from that his own family, Nadab and Abihu and the sons of Korah murmured and complained against Moses and the ground opened up and those people died? It, 
It was like, if anything, Moses in his life, you would have thought that Moses' family would have had his back. I mean, right? I mean, here is, imagine like, I don't know, I go on a, on, a, on a vacation or I go away to talk to God on a mountain and I don't know, I leave, you know, my, my brother or my sister or some other person in charge from my family and I come back and instead of finding church and a piano and, 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 and everyone's singing and things in order, I find a golden cap and everyone's half naked dancing around and go, Aah! and I'm like, what is wrong with my family? Like, like that is probably how Moses felt. But from the outsider's perspective, you would have thought his family, can I ask you a question? Didn't Jesus Christ get the same problem with his own brothers and sisters? You would have thought that the family would have taken on the legacy, but it's not the family who God passes the torch on to. It's Joshua. You know what that shows you? It's not about who you're connected with. It's not about earthly connections. It's about being connected to him. Sometimes this, this week I was looking at old pictures and, uh, you know, the girls turned 22 and 20 this week. So I'm looking at old pictures, you know, and, you know, it's like, why do we let our girls haircut like that? You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> she's got like the dumb and dumber thing going on, you know, and, and, uh, it's just like, man, but look at those old pictures. You know what it makes you? It makes you nostalgic. Yeah. And you know what I feel like? Man, life was so simple then. You know, the biggest problem they had was, she stole my toy. Uh-huh. Biggest problem they had was, I want to watch Dora. She wants to watch Barbie, you know. And, and you go, man, it was, it was so good back then. Yeah, but back then you had problems. Yeah. What you tend to do is you tend to dress up the past. Israel did that. And they said, oh. I mean, they get out there after God parts the Red Sea and kills Pharaoh and all the soldiers of Egypt. After all of that, you know what happens? They get out there in the wilderness and there's no food and they're like, why did you bring us out here to die? You know how much better we had it back there? We had cucumbers and we had melt. I mean, if I was like, I'll be honest with you, if I was like, man, I really want to go back, I'd be like, we had burgers and we had fries and we had pizza. (laughs) They're like, I don't know, they're talking like Jennifer's diet or something, like cucumbers and melons and leeks and garlic. <sighs> like, like this is what they're like. Yeah, we need to go back to that, right? Now, 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 all joking aside, you know what they did? They prettied up the past. You know why some of you need to not be on Facebook looking for old flames? Oh man, I just I remember old, you know, Rhonda. Where Deb? I, I was gonna say Debbie. I'm like, nope, nope. I'm trying to think of names of people not in the room. It's really hard. I'm sorry. You know, James like, well, you better not be thinking about my Debbie. <laughs> what you do is you dress up the past, and you'll never be as good as it once was. Yeah. And you know what God's saying? I'm, I'm still here. Now, the first time Joshua's name shows up, you know, it kind of comes out of the blue. And Moses just goes to Joshua and says, hey, pick out some men, let's go fight. And that's Joshua's introduction in the Bible. And later on in Exodus 24, he's called the minister of Moses. He's Moses' is, he said, what is that? He's a servant. And he's just kind of tagging along. And he gets, to, he gets to go up with Moses on the mountain. And Moses is receiving this revelation. I don't know how far off Joshua was. Joshua could not have been close enough to see everything that Moses saw. Because the way that the God, God describes it, I spoke to him like I spoke to another man. So Joshua was close enough to know that God's there, that God's talking to Moses, but that's about it. And he's watching all this. And then don't you know the story when they come back down? And, uh, and all of a sudden, they, they, they hear all this noise. And Joshua's like, oh, man, grab your sword, Moses. We got to fight. And Moses like, boy, put the sword up. It's not a battle. It's a party. And, and, and you know the story there, and Aaron had built the golden calf and all that stuff. Joshua is there to see all of that and to see how Moses responds. And Joshua is kind of taking notes, you know, and, and go, okay, that's how you respond. Okay, so if they make an idol, burn it, stamp it to powder, put it in the water, make him drink it. Okay, got it. <laughs> right? That's what he had to do. That's what Moses did. You know, one time Joshua is jealous for Moses. And he goes, hey, there's some people preaching in the camp and, 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 and they weren't with us. And Moses is like, don't be jealous for my sake. If God's spirit is on them, then, then God's spirit is on them. That's a good thing. Joshua learned a lot from Moses. And eventually, Joshua gets selected by the Lord to take on a ministry. Look if you would at Deuteronomy 34 one more time. 
says he's 120 years old, his eyes not dim, his natural force is not abated. Look, if you would, at verse number 10, Deuteronomy 34. I'm sorry, look at verse 9. Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Why? For Moses had laid his hands upon him. Everything up to this point in Joshua's life was connected with Moses. Everything. So in Joshua's mind, his identity, he's the servant of Moses. Moses lays his hands on him and he gets the spirit of God. And he's filled with wisdom and understanding. Everything that is right and everything that is good. See, see you know if you're a believer and you've been through your Bible, you need to lay the, the junk of the past in the past and you even struggle with that. But one of the hard things to do is to leave the good things in the past. Because you can't relive all that. God, listen, I, when, when someone goes, man, I, I, was, I was in a church not, not too awful long ago, and they're like, man, I just, I remember the olden days at this church in Detroit back in the 60s where, man, every Sunday, 10, 11 people would come down to the altar, and I'm in this guy's church where he has about 10 or 11 people total. And he's going, I remember the olden days, and, I remember, and I'm like, I, I, I feel the empathy there. But I want you to understand, we are not going back to 1950s Christianity. I'm not saying that as if I'm happy about that. I'm saying you need to learn to accept what is and say, God, regardless of what the world is today, you are still alive and well. And Lord, regardless of what my life is and how I feel like this transition is hard and, and, and everything was good back there and, and, and the pressure was on Moses, it wasn't on me and now it's on me and I don't know if I can live up to that. And Lord, I'm just not sure. Lord goes, look, it wasn't Moses that made Moses Moses. It was me. Notice what it says in verse 10. There arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, and all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh, and all his servants and all his land, and all that mighty hand, all that great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. In Joshua's mind, he's not Joshua without Moses. And can I say this? That's okay. You realize God puts things in your life and people in your life to help make you who you are? But sometimes those things and those people can't be around forever. And you need to understand, it's not the people. I, I, I mentioned this Wednesday night. The, 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 the image that you see in ambulances with the, the, bra the brass pole and the serpent around it, how many of you guys know that's from the, the Old Testament? That's in the Bible. And so they lifted that serpent up, right? And you know what they did for generations because they had looked to that serpent and they were healed. And let me remind you, they did that because God's word said to do that. God spoke and told Moses, look to this serpent and you'll live. As crazy as it might sound, understand it was a picture of Jesus Christ on that cross. Him who never sinned, he became sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And they saw that serpent and they lived. And you know what they, they ended up doing? They ended up taking that serpent in which they found healing and saying, ah, it's the brass serpent that brought the healing. Therefore, we need to worship the serpent. No, it was God that brought the healing. That serpent, that, that, that piece of brass was just, it was a piece, it was God's vehicle at that time. That's where we get hung up. We look at the vehicles that God uses in our life to help bring us and make who we are, to bring us on and go, oh, I need to get back to that. Maybe that's not what you need. As a matter of fact, you know what they do generations later? A wise king took that serpent, and you know what he did? He burnt it and got rid of it. You know why? They were worshiping the serpent. You say, why? Sometimes when you worship the things and the people that God put in your life, and you don't recognize they're not, it's not about them, it's about the provider. You make an idol out of something that God never intended. Moses is a good man. Don't make an idol out of the Moseses in your life. Mary, for example, in the New Testament, good woman. Matter of fact, I wish you girls had learned some things from Mary and not T. Swift. Or whoever else your thing is, whatever it is. Oh, preacher, you, you know, you, why do you have to mention that? Just because I can, okay? And because I want these girls to understand, that's not your role model. You know, take your clothes off and show your body. And, you know, eventually, I want 80 years old. I want to see Tisha when she's 80, jump around. You know why she won't? No one's going to want to see that. That's vanity. It doesn't last forever. That's not your role model. Here's a good role model. How about the mother of Jesus, Mary? 
great role model. You know what some people do? They take it too far and they go, she's the mediatrix between us and God. Nowhere in the Bible. So what I'm getting at is, Christian, you may not, you go, well, I'm not a Catholic. Yeah, but you do it in your life with the things and the people that God brings in your life and then eventually takes out of your life. One time the Lord says to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? How long are you going to do that? You know, when, when the Lord told them to leave Egypt, you know what he told them to do? He told them to leave swiftly. Matter of fact, they were to be standing with their loins girded, that means their clothes on, a staff in their hand, and the food, the bread, could not be made of leaven. You know what that means? It has to be made quick. All right, kind of like eating in a hurry. All right, I, I, I'll tell you what, this morning, eggs and toast. <laughs> Pizza. <laughs> Do you have any more, Dad? Did you chew any of that? <laughs> the Jews ate their Passover in the, what the Bible calls in haste. Why? God was trying to get them out of Egypt, and when he was trying to get them out of Egypt, the picture is you need to move on and do it quickly because what you delay, delayed disobedience is disobedience. Okay, you parents are like, I don't know about that. Okay, let's try it out. You tell your kids to make their bed. It's 7 o'clock in the morning. Make your bed. You come back at noon. It's not made. Well, you said make it. You didn't say what. <laughs> you know what my answer would be? <laughs> uh, it is appointed a man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. <laughs> and you know not whence this judgment shall come. Amen? <laughs> now, now. Now, all joking aside, you see the correlation? The Lord tells Joshua, look if you would at, oh, verse number two, Moses, my servant, is dead. Number one, you have to learn to deal with reality. I'm not making fun, but there's a whole thing out there where people are calling themselves Therians. You say, what is that? They're part animal. I'm not making fun of them. But for you to say that means you identify as being part animal, which means you know what an animal is which means you're partially still with us in reality. Because if there are no definitions and everything's subjective, there's no objective truth, then calling yourself a theory is a waste of time because you know, maybe you're an animal, maybe you're not. Maybe animals aren't even real. Maybe none of this is real. Maybe we're all in the matrix right now. This is the world in which you live. When you get rid of objective truth and absolute truth, can I just say this? You need to learn to deal with reality. You know what God says? Now, now, if, if I was writing like a sympathy card, I'd write like this. Dear Brother Joshua, I am so sorry for your loss. I know how much you loved Moses. I know how much he meant to you. I know, I just, you know, kind of like that. You know what God says? Look at it, verse 2. Moses is dead. <laughs> am, I, am I adding to the Bible here? Moses, my And by the way, he says, my servant. You thought it was all about you. It wasn't. He was my servant. Moses, my servant, is dead. You know what? God, God's not trying to be harsh. He's just speaking the truth and the reality that Joshua needs at that time to wake up and realize he died, but God didn't. God wasn't just speaking negativity. He was speaking truth. Remember when... <laughs> the Lord is with his disciples, and he's like, uh, Lazarus, my friend, sleepeth. He is sick. And they're like, oh, Lord, if he sleepeth, he doeth well. And like they go on for a couple of verses talking about him sleeping, and the Lord's like, um, Lazarus is dead. And then they finally get it. And they start responding a little bit differently. You know what the Lord had to do? He had to speak real truth to get them to understand, hey, there are some things in your life, maybe they were a blessing, but they ain't coming back. Why? Because that was then, and this is now. And if God always keeps everything exactly the same, you will learn to trust the things and the people more than him. You know what God wants to do with Joshua? Some great miracles. You know what God can't do with Joshua as long as Moses is alive? That. Eventually, Moses has to die. 
Samuel faced this with Saul. The, the disciples faced it with Lazarus. How about this one? Over in Acts chapter 1, you know what they had to realize? Judas betrayed us. You know what we can do? We can sit around going, oh, man, I remember when it was all 12 of us, and, man, it was so cool, and we raised the dead, and we did this, and we did that, and, man, I just, I just can't, I can't believe Judas did what he did, man. I just can't. You could do that for the rest of your ministry, or you could get someone to fill his shoes. And go on with early New Testament Christians. You realize Acts chapter 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and the miracles of Pentecost and the miracle of the healing of the sick and the raising of the dead and Peter being in prison and the chains falling off and being delivered from that in Acts 12. All of that, none of that ever happens if they don't first say, guess what? It was great. It was awesome. It was wonderful. But Judas is gone. We have to move on. You say, what is that? Dealing with reality. Dealing with reality. You know what God wants you to learn to do? He wants you to look at where you're at, not, not just where you've been. See, what happens is this. You tell someone, hey, Christian, you need to, you need to walk in this, in this path. They go, yeah. Well, you don't know how I was raised. I was like, okay. I know this. Perfect man and a perfect woman with no taxes and no IRS and no bills and no job messed everything up in a perfect environment. So it's not about how you were raised. It's about what you see as your identity now. And your reality as a child of God is not, well, uh, 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 look at how it was, and it was amazing, and it was, those are good things, but that is not where you are at. You're here. <laughs> Listen, I'm not trying to be harsh. Some people go through the loss of a loved one, and it's heartbreaking. There's a time to grieve, but you'll have to decide eventually do I want the Lord to continue to work in my life? Or do I want to live in the past? You know what God does? Uh, he says this, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves and mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And this is the best part. And such were some of you. You know what the Lord's trying to say? Even if you are caught doing one of those things today, I don't see you like that anymore. I see you under the blood of Jesus Christ. I see you as a new creature. I see you in light of my son. I see you say, why? Because that's the past. He wants you to deal with your reality, Christian. You are his. He is yours. He's got, he's got some things for you, but you have to understand, first and foremost, there are some things, Christian, that die in life. And you have to learn to say, okay, that was hard. But God's still alive. Can I say you have to recognize it wasn't about Moses. It was about the God of Moses. You know, you know the Lord says, Moses, my servant is dead. Remember, remember Jacob, he goes to this place called Bethel, and it's a very special place, and Eventually, later on in life, when, when God brings Jacob back to Bethel, he changes the name from Bethel to El Bethel. It goes from being the house of God to the God of the house of God. You see, what is that? He realized as he got older, and it took a couple chapters of his life, that it wasn't the place that was special by itself. It was the person that was there that made that place special. And that person goes with me wherever I go. So everywhere I go is holy ground. Everywhere I go, there's intention and purpose. It's not all dead and gone in the past. And it's not about Moses, it's about the God of Moses. You know, what, you know what Moses had to do in his own generation? He had to go, regardless of my parents, regard do you realize, guys, if Moses doesn't respond to the call of God in his life to move on in Exodus 3, you don't read about the, the parting of the Red Sea, the destruction of Pharaoh's army, the supernatural manna that falls from heaven the quails that come to the camp and the children of Israel fed from that. You don't read about, you don't read about the, uh, Moses uh, striking the rock and the water comes out. You don't read about any of that stuff unless Moses says, you know what, it's not about my education. Do you know what Moses was if he hadn't responded to God's call and when God was dealing with him? Moses was a has-been. That's what he would have been. He would have been a has-been. I used to be powerful. I used to be in Pharaoh's house. I used to have an education. I used to have riches. I used to, I used to, I used to, I used to. You know what he is? He's a guy that was a fugitive from the law running because he killed a dude and buried him in the sand and he would have died as a has-been had he not responded to God's call in his life. 
Now Joshua's looking at going, but now he's dead. And the Lord's like, yeah, but the same exact work that I did in his life, I want to do in yours. Look at Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. Question, what body of water did Moses part? Okay, pretty big, pretty big deal. Who would say it's a pretty big deal? I would, if I was like, you know, listening to some guy, I'm like, I don't know, I'm not really sure if you're like the prophet of God, I don't really know, and he's like, shh. You know what I do? Oh, they're never going to believe that. Now, that's a big deal. God brings Joshua to the Jordan River, not the Red Sea. Why? Why would God bring Joshua to the Red Sea? You've already came through it. Well, I just want to feel like my life is as important as Moses. Yeah, but that's not the point. You're not going to the Red Sea. I already brought you through that. I'm wanting you to go. So I want you. Listen, the Red Sea was when God brought them out. The Jordan River is when God's bringing them into the promised land. You had to come out, Christian, but eventually you can't just keep coming out and coming out. You're going somewhere. <laughs> And notice in Joshua chapter 3, look at verse number 7, the Lord said to Joshua, this day will I begin to magnify in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee, and thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, when ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. Now, you say, what happens? Well, when you read the rest of the chapter, here's what God does. He takes that water, and he shoots it up like this, like pillars, and they walk in. But no, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. If, if I'm one of the priests, one of the Levites, and Joshua's like, okay, here, guys, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to go, and you guys are going to step in the water first. I'd be like, okay, hey, um, so we've done this before, and the last time we did this, like, the, the guy, whoever the guy, you know, Moses, I didn't want to mention his name, but you know what I'm talking, he just, like, put his hands up, and everything kind of just parted. Can we do that again? And Joshua's like, well, that was kind of what I was hoping God would say, but it's not what he wanted. He wants you guys to step in first. Can you imagine? Okay, if I'm the Levite, I'm like, how, how about this? How about you step in first? <laughs> right? So he's, they step in. And you know what God does? You know what could have gone through Joshua's mind? This is awesome, but it's not as cool as the Red Sea. <laughs> Remember when they're rebuilding the temple? Mm-hmm. And uh, there in Nehemiah and the Bible talks about the old men that were there to see the original temple. When they lay the foundation for the new temple, the Bible says the old men wept. Uh-huh. Men crying is ugly. <laughs> Can I get a witness? I mean, there's something kind of, not, not, you know, I want you to cry, ladies, but it's, it's delicate and it's beautiful and it's like, oh, let me help you. When a man cries, snot and just wrinkles, <laughs> just, uh, you know, they're all out there crying and they're weeping. And, and then the young men are shouting because they're excited that God's doing something. And the old men are discouraging them. And you know what? Everyone that's afar off trying to hear what's going on, you know what they think? It sounds like confusion. You know why? Because the old men could not see that God could not still work if he didn't do it exactly like he did it back then. They got hung up on the temple being so special. They forgot it wasn't the temple. It was God. It wasn't Moses that made Moses. It was his God. You know, Elisha, after Elijah's taken up, everyone's looking for Elijah. Like, where'd he go? Can you imagine that? Like, you're there to watch God take someone up in a chariot of fire, you know? And that thing comes down. All I can think of is dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. And there he goes. Boom, he's off. And it was like, where'd he go? I was like, well, a chariot came by and it's like God's Uber. I don't know. Something happened. And he's gone. And everyone's like, oh, where's Elijah? And Elisha's like, what are you guys doing looking for Elijah? I just told you, God, he's, he's gone. He's not here. Elisha gets to this river. You know what he says? He doesn't say, where's Elijah? He says, where's the Lord God of Elijah? He smacks that thing and the water parts. Now, What's the point? The point is it's not about the person. It's about the God behind the person. Can I say this? You have to decide to listen to God and get in the right position. Look at Joshua chapter 1. 
Brother Elvin, Brother Felix, quick question. Can you, can you throw trash sitting like this, or do you have to actually get up? You got to get up. Okay. I'm asking the experts, okay? You got to get up, all right? So if, if Brother Jose Granales is here, and I asked him, okay, say there's a fight going on, and you got to calm the fight down. Do you sit in your squad car and go, what's up, guys? <laughs> no, you have to get up. There are some things. There are some things you can do laying down, and there are some things you can't. And let me just show you what, what God tells Joshua. Look, if you would, at verse number two. He says, now, therefore, what's the next word? And after that, the word is go, is it not? Yes. Motherhood and policing are similar. You can't do them lying down. <laughs> the criminals will kill each other, and they might even kill you. <laughs> Amen, right? Moms of children, multiple ones. Once you have three, they learn how to gang up on you. You have to learn to get up, Christian. Can, can I tell you that God's instruction to Joshua here is very similar? Remember the one time Elijah's like, no one likes me. And I hate Jezebel. And everyone's following her, and they unfollowed me. And, and I'm not better than my father's, and I just wish I'd die. Remember that? Remember that? You know what God tells Elijah? He says, come here, son, come here. You know, if I was God, I'd be like, shut up. You know what he does? You know what God does, though? He just very gently goes, Elijah, are you tired? Elijah, you need to take a nap. <laughs> True story. Read it for yourself. You need to take a nap, and, and I'll tell you what. You, you need to eat something because you are hangry right now, <laughs> and you're not making any sense. After he took that nap and ate, you know what God tells him? Get up. Yeah. And, and, and you know what he tells him? Another guy's going to take your ministry, um, but I want you to go do this. I want you to go anoint this other king. Why? As long as Elijah lied down under that juniper tree, and he's like, no one loves me. The church people hate me. My friends don't like me. And I hate Jezebel. <laughs> you know, as long as he's doing that, you know what's not going to happen? He's not going to go on. You know what God tells him? Get up. Get up. Samuel weeps for Saul because Samuel feels attached to this. Samuel anointed Saul. And now Saul's walking away from God. You know, Samuel does, he weeps, and the Lord says, how long will you mourn for me? And then the Lord does this. He goes, hey, I got an idea. I want you to go, and I want you to anoint a new king. You know what that shows me? When you stay down, because you're kind of living in what was, the problem is you haven't replaced what was. And Christian, you've got to learn to replace what was with something better. And you go, it'll never be as good. Well, in God's eyes, you, you're discounting who God is in your life. It's almost like, well, if God doesn't do it the way I expect it, then it's not good enough. Hey, look, God may have done it that way over here, and he may want to do something different over here. You know what it takes? It takes you getting up. Can I ask you, what are the first two letters in the word gospel? First two letters in God? Go. You know what you need to learn to do? Get up and go. Do you realize being sedentary is not healthy? It causes cardiovascular diseases. It causes all kinds of issues. That's why at the ripe age of 43, I'm making myself, I'm scraping myself out of the bed in the morning, you know, getting out and can't see real well and whatever else. I'm like, I've got to move. I got to do something. You say, why? Because I know that that is good for me. And Christian, as it relates to the spiritual realm as well, when you just sit and you allow yourself to dwell on what was or what could have been. It's an idol that doesn't even exist anymore. And you have to learn to say, that's done. Lord, I want to get up. God comes to Saul, knocks him off of his, his uh, high horse, if you will, on the road to Damascus. Remember that story? And he says, Lord, who art thou? I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And what, is, what does the Lord tell Paul, after he gets knocked down, arise and go into the city. And it will be told thee what thou shalt do. You know what I would have said? How about you tell me now? <laughs> but you know what God wants to see? Are you willing to go? Are you willing to get up? You know what arise is? Arise is a call of healing. It's a call of restoration. You look at it as, God, you just want me to move on. The Lord's like, this is how we heal. 
This is how we grow. This is how, we, this is how you realize it's about me, it's not about you or anybody else. You say, that's tough. It is. But you know what you'll find there? Healing. You know, I've learned some things, though. The Lord, he doesn't make us do right. You know, I wish, I wish in the morning, like every morning, you know, I'd love, I'd love if I was lying down, I'd just levitate out of bed. <laughs> like, smile on my face. Suit on. You ever watch those movies? Like the, the, okay, sorry. I, you know, Hallmark movies, right? And the girl is like, get, no phone's ring. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm not ready. I'm like, she's got five pounds of makeup on. Her hair's perfect. I think she's ready. <laughs> and then you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror like, that ain't what it looks like at all. You, I wish God would just make me get up. You know what God does not do? He does not do what he gives you the enabling to do. He allows you to make the choice. He feeds Elijah and then tells him to get up. He enables him. He will feed you, but you still have to be the one that says, I'm getting up. You know the difference between a success and a failure? It's not money. You know what it is? One guy gets up one more time than the other guy. That's it. That's it. You guys in that overcomer's ministry, I mean, we said this before, I'm going to say it again. There are no silver bullets in the Christian life. Man, what's the one thing I can do? That's just it. It did not take one thing to get you where you got. It was a multiplicity of things that got you into sin and got you into trouble. And listen, it's going to be a multiplicity of things that by the grace of God, over time, you applying what God says, but it starts with getting up. Can I just say this? You're not alone. Look at verse 5. Look what he says here. As I was with Moses... Man, that's a statement. Amen. So I'll be with thee. You're telling me you're going to be with me like you were with Moses? See, the thing is, you think once Moses isn't there, you're all alone. Moses isn't God. God is God. You go, I'm just, I'm all by myself and no one cares and all this stuff's on me and it's so hard and I can't. And the Lord's like, I'm right here. I'm, I'm right here. I, like, I, I can help a little bit. I, I'd be glad to, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm really not, I promise, I'm not trying to pick up my wife, but she talks all day to herself. And she walks through the house, okay, now I got to do this, now I got to, and I'm always like, do you, do you want me to, do I need to, you, you guys know what I'm talking about, and you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, hung me out to dry, great, appreciate it, all right, I got one person that raised their hand, thank you for that one person. But, but it's like, I don't know if that's her way of saying I need help, or if that's just her talking to herself like a crazy person. And there's times where I'm like, I don't, I don't do anything. And she's like, you know, I could use some help. <laughs> and then there's some times where I'm like, do you need some help? She's like, oh, no, honey, I, got, I just talked to myself. I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Christian, you see, why, why do I use this illustration? Because I'm in a room with someone, and I recognize their presence. You're not alone. You go, but nobody knows what I'm going through right now. You're right. No one can deal with you the way that God can. There are things you're going to go through that I cannot honestly, as your pastor, go, I know what it's like. I can't. But I know someone that does. I know someone that is always with you no matter how you feel. God says, I'm the Lord, I change not. Aren't you thankful for that? Man, one time the Sadducees come to the Lord and like, hey, so uh, we got a question for you. The Lord's like, okay, what's up? And they're like, okay, so this guy marries this woman. Uh-huh. And he dies. Okay. And so she marries his brother. Uh-huh. And she, he dies. Okay. Well, she marries his brother. It's a big family. At, at about the fourth or fifth brother, I'd be like, Please tell me the next guy wasn't like, yeah, I don't think we should be together. <laughs> like, I'm scared to marry you. <laughs> no one ever asked that question in the story. I've always thought it, but you, you know what happens in, the, in that entire explanation? Here's, wh- here's what the Lord does. He says this. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living.
You know, Moses said, Lord, if you don't go with me, I don't want, I don't want to go. And God said, my presence shall go with thee. Moses said, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. You know what that is? That is, I don't want to go anywhere in life where you're not at. You know what the Lord said to Joshua? I'll be with you. You know what he says to you? I'll be with you. Yeah, but Lord, you don't know what I've, what I've done. Or you don't know how I've messed up. Lord says, so I'll be with you if you're saved. And if you come to Christ and you go, you have no idea how much of a mess my life is. You know what he'll say? Let me take your sin. I will give you my righteousness and my goodness. I'll make that exchange for you because I loved you that much. And then I promise I'll be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. What a promise. See, the problem is this. When you're on top, end of Joseph's life, second man in charge of all of Egypt, you go, God's with me. How about when he was in the pit? How about when he goes into Potiphar's house as a servant? You know what the Bible says, the, God's commentary on it? The Lord was with him. You know what it says after Potiphar's wife comes on him and he resists that and gets thrown in jail, wrongfully accused and all that kind of stuff, you know, and he gets thrown in there. You know, you know what it says? It says the Lord was with him in the prison. See, we look at Joseph at the end and we go, oh, God was with him. Yeah, but it wasn't like God just showed up at the end of the story like some people do. You know how it is like when you have like work to do around your house and someone's like, oh man, we're gonna have a barbecue and like, hey, we need to set some stuff up. Oh, okay, all right. I'm gonna pick on Joe. Joe's not here, all right? And I invite Joe to my house and say, okay, Joe, we're gonna eat at two o'clock, but at 1.30 we're gonna start, you know, getting everything ready. You got it, man. He shows up at 1.59. Hey, any work for us to do? <laughs> no, he didn't do that. This is an illustration, all right? I don't wanna be, everybody got uh, Joe, pastor told on you. He's never done that. But, but just the illustration. Listen, God's not that guy. He doesn't show up at the end. He's there the whole way through. Let me give you this thought in closing. You have to know that life is just beginning. It's not the end. There are things that you'll go through in the Christian life and you go, my life's over. You may laugh at, some of you are going to laugh at this. I thought that. When I went to South America as a missionary and God closed that door, I thought my life is over. I'm done. It's not going to work out. God's done with me. And I went through a real, real bad time of depression. You can ask my wife about it. And you know what I had to realize eventually? That dream is gone. But I have no idea what God wants. So maybe I should get up. And get going and realize God has a whole lot ahead here that I can't see. You know what I couldn't see? Isaac, Leonard, and Ariana, and Viviana getting saved, and Isaac and Leonard going to Bible school. I couldn't see Carlos getting saved, and Eric and Michaela getting saved, and, and I couldn't see Johnny getting right with God and going to Bible. I didn't see any of that. You know what you see in the moment? What I wanted is gone. Yeah, you're right. What you thought you needed was gone. But God's not. And he wants to write a whole... Listen, we're in chapter 1 and 3 of Joshua. There's like 20 more chapters to go. At that time, he probably thought, I don't know what else to do with my life. Buddy, you're just starting everything that led up to that point was to help you for things you don't even know yet. Christian, God wants to do something with you. And you may lament, I miss this, I miss that person, I miss that relationship, I wish it was this way. All you want. But God's going, hey, we got some work to do. How about we get up? How about we move on? Let's all stand, every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that if there's any believer that needs to do some business with you, Lord, they would do it this morning. They would not avoid the place of the altar. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would go out and convict and encourage and strengthen and edify and do the work that I cannot do. Lord, I, all I can do is present what you've given me. I pray that you would do the work now that only you can do. And I pray that your people wouldn't resist it. Lord, they'd submit to that leadership. Father, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as your Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation. 
heads bowed and eyes closed. Christian, grab a place. Grab a place at the altar. Grab a place in the aisle if you have to. I just know this. I talk to a lot of Christians and a lot of them are living in the past. Your past is in the past. Your future is not yet attained, which is why we called today the present. He's the God of the living, not the dead. Even the victories that you experience, the good things, God goes, yeah, that's great. That's good to reflect on, but that was, that was then. I, I want to work now. I want to do some things in your life now. God's not satisfied with being like a, 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 one of your decorations in the house that you look at every once in a while and go, man, that was great. God wants to be an active part of your life. You may go, man, that relationship I thought was going to be there forever. It's not there. You know what God says? But mine is, and I'm still here, and I still want to do something. There's a story in the Bible about a, a man that dies and goes to a place called hell. Luke chapter 16. And the Bible says that in hell, his memory was still intact. He remembered what was right. He remembered what was wrong. He remembered people. Let me just say this. One of the worst aspects of hell is living in the past for eternity. Wishing that you could get a drop of water. You go, preacher, are you being serious? That's Bible, Luke 16. It is not a metaphor. It is not an allegory. It is not even a parable. It is a historical account where someone's name is given. And in that place, that rich man, that guy goes, oh, I remember my brothers. I, I just, can I, can I go back there? And you know what he tells them? He goes, hey, if they don't believe God, the I am, they won't believe if one rose from the dead. And the skeptic would say, I would if I saw it. Hey, 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He died for your sins and was buried. And he didn't stay in the ground. He came back up. And he did that for you so that today you could be saved. There's a passage in the Bible that says, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. I'm going to ask a simple question as these continue to pray. There's no rush. If you're here and you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are a born-again child of God, would you... Be willing to raise your hand and by doing so say, yep, I know I'm saved. I know I'm a child of God. I've been born again. You know, it was June whatever, 1990 whatever. Yeah, amen. Thank you. All right. There was a time where you went from death to life. People say, well, you know, having a baby is a process. No, get, there's a birth date and a birth time. And Jesus says you must be born again. The only part that's a process is getting up to that point. You know what, you know what the process is? The Lord convicting you if you're without him. And you go, look, I'm a, I'm a decent person. I try to live the golden rule. I try to do the right thing. And my heart goes out to you if that's you. But, but if you're here, understand this. There is a first cause. His name is God. And we are accountable to him. We will give an account of our lives. He will not measure you according to a religious system. He will not measure you according to Pastor Adrian. He will measure you against a man that never looked at a woman and thought a dirty thought. He will measure you against a man that never told a lie. He will measure you against a man that never manipulated one person in the 33 and a half years he was on this earth. He will measure you against a man that the Bible says, never a man spake like this man. That is the standard. And we all, if God says, if you're good, as good as him, I'll let you in. Guess what? I'm not going in. I won't make it. So you know what God says? I'll tell you what. If you're willing to recognize that you're not as good as him, and that you're a sinner, and you rec recognize your need for him and your need for a savior, I will give you the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I will wash all your sins away. 
I will help you move on from the sins of your past. I will give you a new life. If you're willing to do that. If you're here today and you couldn't raise your hand, you're kind of like, man, I'd like to learn more about that. I'm begging you, pleading with you. Don't just leave when this is done. I'd love to open up the Bible and show you what it means to be saved. Ten minutes can change your eternal destination. Not a sales gimmick. It's just truth from the Word of God. Don't leave. All you that are saved, you've got issues in your lives, you've got problems, but aren't you glad you got saved? Isn't that the best decision of life? Appreciate our musicians today, good music today, real blessing. Hope you can leave with something that God gives you. We're going to close in a word of prayer. If you're visiting for the first time, again, thank you for coming our way. It means a lot to me and our church. Uh, we do have Wednesday night Bible study. If you'd like to come back, 7 o'clock, uh, we are doing a series right now on stewardship of money, of finances. Uh, and, and again, if you were here last Wednesday night, it wasn't just like, you need to give us your money. That, that was not the theme. It was what does God actually say about this subject because you'll be better in any area of your life if you know what God says about it. So be here Wednesday night for that if you can make it. Uh, No DBC for the kids, but 645, uh, they've got a song practice. And again, as soon as we say amen, we've got a five-minute timer. And we'll have the kids come up here and uh, practice those. They're going to be in the video, practice their song, and then get downstairs for food. Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. uh, And uh, pray the Lord is, uh, uh, you feel the presence of the Lord this week. He's with you. It's a matter of you recognizing that he's there if you're a born-again child of God. And if you're not, and you want to be, let's talk. Let's close in a word of prayer. Uh, really appreciate the faithfulness of our people. Uh, appreciate Brother Felix. Brother, if you would close us in a word of prayer, son.